are in the, the second week of our Christmas series um, here at Ethos. And I know that when it comes to Christmas, that we're all in different places, that some of you, this is your favorite time of year. Others of you like Crockett, you know, you hate Christmas. You're already ready for it to be over. And, uh, and, and what I hope for us this morning is uh, this season as a church family that, that we would just kind of recapture the wonder of Jesus Christ. My hope for us is that for those of us who aren't Christians, that your heart and your curiosity for Jesus would be stirred by just the realness of who he is. My hope for those of you who are Christians, that as you come into this place, as you come into this season, that as we fix our eyes more intently on Jesus, that this season would propel us into living more fully, more faithfully with Jesus. You know what I love about the, the Christmas story, what I love about the, the coming of Jesus, the story we're going to be looking at this morning, is that it speaks to us no matter where we are in our journey. I think about it like this, you know, early in my relationship with my wife, Courtney, uh, we'd been dating a couple months, and uh, I decided to give her this, this book. It essentially just was a journal, and um, I had this, this idea that, to take pictures of things that we had done, to take pictures of us, and to, to write dates on different pages, and just to describe the things that we'd done. And so I gave this to her a couple months into dating. I said, I want, I want us to take pictures of things that we do, and I want us to document them. I want the, us to, to write about these things so that we, we never forget, so we can always be reminded of, of this journey that we're on together. It was so cool. Last year, um, we sat down, uh, we've been together seven years, Mary, we've been together nine years, and we sat down, we looked through that book, and it was so amazing, just kind of reliving a lot of these memories that a lot of, we had forgotten about. And to go back, and be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that experience, I forgot about that, and that place we went, that thing that we did. And it was so neat, I was thinking about that book this week as I was uh, wrestling with my kids as I was throwing them on the bed. It's what they love to do and when I get home from work. And I saw that book in the corner of my eye and I thought, oh, it's going to be so cool to sit them down and to take them through the story one day. I hope today um, that, that what we see is, as we're reading the story is that, that it's all of our story. You know, Courtney and I, we, we sit down and we read this, this book. We read our little, our little journal a little bit differently than our kids do, right? But the truth is that it's, it's, it's just as much their story as it is ours. Story of how they came to be. And so my hope for us this morning is, is that for those of us who are Christians, as we see Jesus, as, as this week, as this life has a way of taking our eyes off of Christ, that we would see him and that we would remember the, the, the faithfulness and the goodness and the, the things that we've experienced with God. And for those of you who are not Christians, that, that this morning you would see that, that Christ has come for you. And this is a grand invitation into to, to letting um, him into to your life, letting this be your story. I want to say this, and then we'll jump into Luke 2. I'm not going to hit every detail today of the story, uh, 20 verses. Um, I wish I could, but just picture like this. We're, we're walking down the line wherever you did Thanksgiving, and we're just going to get a couple things. Even though it's all delicious and it's all good, uh, we're going to get one meat and two vegetables, and that's it. And, uh, and so today, I'm just going to give us kind of the bare minimum, and then you can go home and you can chew on the rest. You can hang out with Amos and Ann. He'll explain. They'll explain the rest of this to you if you want to know um, throughout the week. But, but this is where I want us to start, Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. You guys with me today? You guys here? Starting in verse 1, I'm going to read our text to us. This is the word of the Lord from Luke 2. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. This is the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 2. Three pictures I want us to look at this morning, three things. This idea of Savior, I want us to look at the song in verse 13, and I want us to look at the shepherds. So let's look at this idea of Savior first. This is where I want us to start out. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. A Savior is, is someone who rescues, someone who delivers from, from danger, from harm. A couple weeks ago, I was um, getting Courtney's tires rotated, discount tire in Mount Juliet where we live. And I was just sitting down and, you know, it takes about an hour to get them worked on before they can get us worked in. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm going, God, I've got an hour here. Like, if there's someone in this place that, that doesn't know you, if there's someone in this place that needs encouraging, like, I'm here. Like, use me however. Just bring someone my way. Get, make it clear that I need to talk to these people. And so I'm just kind of praying this and sitting in my chair. This, a few minutes later, this gal walks over to me, very nice man. And he sits down and um, we start talking and, and I soon realized that um, th this man, he tells me that he's deaf. And, but he hasn't always been deaf. That he has this hereditary thing that when his family, when they turn 40, there's something about that time of year, that, or that, not that time of year, there's something about that time in life around four years that, that they just lose sense of hearing. And so I'm talking to him and I'm like, well, how are you hearing me? He's like, I can kind of hear you out of my ear. He said, but I'm basically just, I'm reading your lips. And so he and I start having this really interesting conversation. I learned that um, just kind of all about him and his life. He starts to, to talk to me about God. And I'm like, oh, cool. So you believe in God? He's like, oh, yeah, I believe in God. I'm like, do you, do, you, do you believe in Jesus? And he's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to ask him why he believes. And so I'm like, well, why do you believe in Jesus? He said, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I'm like, really? Okay. Try me. Like, he said, when I was three years old, I died. I just died. Heart stopped beating. And he said, and I saw Jesus. I went to heaven. I know I lost some of you already. Just hang with me. Just, just listen to me. He said, I saw him. And he said, he took me back to the moment when, when I was born. And he said, I had a twin brother that was in the womb. And Jesus, he, he called my twin brother by name. He said, John Mark. And he took him by the hand and he took him with him. This guy I was talking to, his name was Bud. He said, Bud, I'm not taking you yet. 
He came back to life, obviously, and he, he, he realized that he was kind of had this surreal experience. He's three years old. He asked his mom, Mom, what were you going to name? Twin brother? She's like, John Mark? He's like, wow. He starts to describe to me heaven. See, there are no old people there. No one's wearing glasses. He says, if you ever talk to someone who has, has died and gone to heaven, ask them about the colors and the sounds. And I'm like, well, you got to tell me. Like, tell me about it. And he said, the, the, they're unlike anything else in this world. They're so vivid. The trees there are beautiful. He said, there's no ocean. He said, but there's a river. And he says, in Jesus... He says, he is so big. And he points out at the parking lot. He says, you see that suburban in the parking lot? He's like, if it was turned up on its back end, he's like, he's bigger than that. And he's, he's illuminating. And he said, he showed me the, the nails in his hands. And I'm sitting there at Discount Tire, like my eyes, I'm like, I did not expect this. Like, and he says this line, he says, and people have no idea what Jesus paid to save their souls. And I came home, and the court's like, so, hey, how's getting the tires changed? I'm like, it was different than I expected. <laughs> and I start to tell her the story. We're eating lunch, sitting on the couch. I just, I'm crying. Like, we have dinner with our friends that night, and I'm telling this story. And, and, and I just, that line that people have no idea what Jesus has done to save their souls. I think so often we come into this Christmas season. We come to the story in Luke chapter 2 and we, and we stop at the sentimental story. Oh, sweet baby Jesus came as a humble and innocent child. And that's true. But Jesus' life did not stop at being a humble and innocent sweet little child. Christ Jesus grew into a brave Heroic man. You see, Jesus was declared to be Savior at his birth when he came into the world. But you and I experience his salvation because his blood was shed as he left the earth, as he was put in the earth. Came across this passage in Zechariah chapter 12 and 13 this week. And it was talking about Jesus. It was talking this prophecy long before Christ set foot on earth. It was this man that got a vision from the Lord and he's writing these things down. And he says, this is what he says in Zechariah chapter 12. It says, they looked on the one they have pierced. If you've ever read through the gospel stories, if you've ever read about Jesus, the way that his life ended is he's, is he's hanging on a cross and it says that they take this spear and they, and they jab it up in his side to see if he's really dead. And it says that in that moment, that, that blood and water flow out of the, the womb where, the, where they shake, where, the, where they spear him. And it says that, that they looked on the one they have pierced. And in Zechariah chapter 12, it says, and they mourned. And the people mourned. The people of Israel mourned and the heavens mourned. As Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. But I love the very first verse of Zechariah chapter 13. It says this, but on that day, a fountain is opened to cleanse the people from their sin. Do we think about how loved we are by God? Do we really think about how much he has given for us?
do you realize that because of Jesus, not just him coming as a baby, but him growing up, him laying down his life, him suffering and dying on the cross because of Jesus, we now stand here as holy people, as forgiven people. Dan, you're forgiven. Nick, you are forgiven. Daryl, you are forgiven. Allison, we are blameless. Ben, we are pure. We are forgiven. Paul says we are free from accusation. Do we realize this? A lot of days, I doubt this. I struggle to believe. I don't know if you're like that, that I'm really forgiven. And when he sees me, that I'm actually holy. Some days I'm selfish. And my heart is set on things of this world way more than my heart is set on the things of the kingdom of heaven. But I'm telling you, since I had that conversation with Bud a few weeks ago at the tire store, Jesus is becoming more and more real. My boss, the job that I had before this when I was working at Lipscomb, Keely can testify to this, Jay can testify to this. He has this kind of line, he says, pay attention to the things that move you deeply. Right, Lori? Pay attention to things that move you deeply. And I was so moved by this man's story. 59 years old, he's telling me this story like it happened to him yesterday. He had this deep love for Christ. This deep trust, this deep belief in Christ. You play along, with me, play along with me with this analogy real quick. You know, you think about, for those of us who are in Christ so often, I think the way that we have viewed life with Christ is that, that all of us are in jail, that, that we've done things deserving punishment with that, so that we're locked up. And, and, and of course, Jesus is our, is, our, is our one call, and we call him, and he comes, and, and he pays the fee, and, and, and he pays to set us free. And then and we, we walk out of the doors, and, and instead of following him, we just go our own way, that, that we're fine accepting the forgiveness. We're fine accepting what he, he paid for us. But, but, but for the majority of us, we've, we've not spent the rest of our lives setting our eyes and our hearts on him and what he's done for us. Think about this passage in Philippians 3. We started this year uh, looking at this passage where Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And he says, not that I've already obtained all this, but I press on to take hold of that which of Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have arrived at this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Do we want to know Christ? Do we want to know him? In this Christmas season, do, do we want our hearts and our, and our passion and the fire to, to burn bright for Christ? Do we want to know him like that? He is our Savior. Look at the song. This is the second thing I want us to look at this morning in verses 13 and 14. It says, suddenly a great company, the heavenly host, this is literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels appeared and they praised God and they said, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When else has something so magnificent happened? 
that thousands upon thousands of heavenly beings were actually seen and heard in this world. When's the time in scripture? When's the time in our current world? Where thousands of, where thousands of angels have torn through the heavens, have been seen in the earth. As great as you think you are, this wasn't your birth story. Right? When, when, when your mom and dad, when your mom gave birth, your dad didn't do anything. When your mom gave birth to you, she doesn't tell the story like this. Yeah, we, we pushed and, and then you came out and the doctor handed you to me. And then all of a sudden the, the hospital roof was ripped open and there were 10,000 angels right there. Like, that's like a grandparent's story. That's not, you know, that's not a parent's story. Yet there was something so significant that happened. That the angels, the, the heavenly host, who stand in the presence of God day and night, they broke through into this earth and they sang this song. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God in the highest heaven. You alone are exalted. We, we praise you, God. You see, these insiders, they understood the greatness of what was unfolding on earth. They understood what was happening. They stand in the presence of God. I kept thinking about this when, when insiders have information that, that people don't. Last Christmas, my sister and brother-in-law um, have two nephews um, that are eight and 11. And uh, they're big basketball fans, big sports fans, and they landed tickets because of my brother-in-law Chris's job to uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, Los Angeles Lakers game. And uh, they box seats. I mean, you know, my nephews have never been to an NBA game before. And so my sister's telling me, like, yeah, we're, we're going to surprise them the day after Christmas. We're taking them to Memphis. They're going to sit in a box. They're going to get to see Kobe Bryant in his final season. I don't care what you think about Kobe. Still one of the greatest players ever. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I remember, like, just being around my nephews last Christmas and just being like, man, you have awesome parents. Like, you have no idea what's coming to you, but you're about to have the best Christmas you've ever had. Like, what is it? What is it, Uncle B? I'm not telling you, but it's awesome. Like, the angels show up, the angels who were created by God, who, and we can't see them. They're in heaven, but the angels who spend the presence, spend their lives in his presence. They come through this day and they praise God. And I love the, the second line of their song that says, in peace on earth. Peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Peace here is not the absence of conflict. It's not just the absence of, of war. No, peace is reconciliation with God. Peace is that although you and I are sinful people, we are declared as forgiven. It's this idea that, that you and I, it's not that, that we're just on no war zone with God. It's that we have been given the ability to have the deepest intimacy, the deepest friendship with God that one can possibly have in this life. Do you ever wonder, am I actually forgiven? Do you ever wonder, am, am I actually in the favor of God? You ever question that in, in moments of weakness, in moments of sin, in moments when you give in? Do you ever wonder, am I still in the favor of God? You know, one of the things that we know from Scripture emphatically is that anytime people came to Jesus humbly, knowing that, they need, knowing that they needed him, knowing that he was what their soul longed for more than anything, anytime someone came to Christ like this, he forgave them and included them. 
And the result of people as they encountered the real Christ was they got to live the rest of their lives in harmony. And in the good graces with God, they left with peace. And so do we. Peace doesn't mean that we'll never face hard things in this life. Peace is the internal disposition that comes from faith, that knowing that we are good with God because of Jesus. It's the internal disposition knowing that God is pleased with us, that he loves us, that he is returning for us. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified, since we've been made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained faith, access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Peace, reconciliation, friendship with God is available. And I love the third piece of this passage. I know that, that we're, we're not hitting nearly the things that I want to hear all in this passage, but, but this is the third thing that I want us to see. We looked at the, the Savior. We've looked at the, the song. I want us to look at the shepherds real quick. In 11 verse 16 where it says that, that, that the shepherds hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph. They found Jesus. That word 16, I discovered this last year as I was... Uh, looking through this text, it's a word in Greek, eurisco, and what it means is to, to, um, to come upon after searching. And so this is not what Luke is saying. He, he doesn't say that the shepherds just haphazardly stumble across Jesus. It says that they were intently se seeking him. I think this is so important for us. For Christians and those of us who are not yet Christians, the reality is that, that some of you, your story is that, that you didn't go looking for Christ, but that Christ came through some supernatural way and, and woke you up. And I believe that, this, that he's not contained to a box, but, but I, I think we have to see this in the story that, that, that finding Jesus, discovering his realness, discovering his will is something that often requires us searching, us pursuing. Think about this. You want to get married? You're not just going to wake up tomorrow morning with a ring on your finger by doing nothing, right? I don't say this as a call to marriage. I say this to help us understand that, that we seek. We seek hard and we work hard for the things that our hearts really want. We just do. I wanted to go to Lipscomb. When I was in high school, I wanted to become a pastor. I wanted to do that since I was in fifth grade. I literally quit baseball in my senior year just so I could save some money and work, the, work a job to, to pay for school. We spend thousands of dollars on education. We spend countless hours watching football, pursuing our hobbies. We give our best pursuing the things that we really want in life. And what we read here about the shepherds is, is true for all of us. That Jesus himself said this in this greatest sermon he ever preached. He says, seek me and you will find me. Seek me and you will find me. A couple years ago, one of my good friends this good, grew up this good old southern religious boy. And he kind of had this awakening where he realized that he didn't really know Jesus. 
He'd gone to church. He knew the answers. He, 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 he knew the, the, the scriptures. He knew something, but he didn't know Christ. He, his heart wasn't locked in with Jesus. There was nothing about his, his life that as he looked at the way he was actually living, the, the way he spent his time and used his life, there was nothing about him that, that knew that he was pursuing Christ with all of his heart. And so he, he, he kind of came to this reality. And he felt like the Lord was saying to him, you don't know me, but come find me. You don't know me, but come find me. And so my friend has this, has this big like, decision to make. Is he going to be content just playing the game, sitting in these uncomfortable brown chairs? Or, or is he going to, 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 to go, man, if there is a God, I want to know him. I want to live for him. I want to burn bright for him. And so my friend, for a year, he devoured this. And he read anything that he could get his hands on. And, and he investigated and, and he interviewed. I mean, I sat down with this guy no matter how many times. And he asked me the hard questions. A lot of times I didn't have answers to. And he saw it and he saw it and he saw it. And you could tell by the way he spent his life, the way he invested his life, that he wanted to know if Christ was real. And of course he found him. Of course he found him. And so too will you. I kept wondering though, man, the shepherds, they, they left the fields and they went searching. Would they have ever encountered Christ if they would have stayed in that field? And I wonder if there are fields in your life, if there are metaphorical fields in your life that he is calling us to leave, calling you to leave, calling me to leave so we can create space in our lives to actually seek him and find him. 11 verse 17, it says that, that when they had seen him, when they had seen Jesus, they simply spread the word concerning what they had been told. In 11, it says that these dirty shepherds, they left praising and rejoicing and glorifying God for all that they had seen. Once they found Jesus, you wanna know what they did? Once they had really found Jesus, they simply shared their experience with others. And I was reminded this week, for the rest of their lives, this was their story. And their story was beautiful. And their story brought amazement to many people who heard. I was reminded that for all of us who are Christians, that each one of us has a story of Jesus how this story has spoken to our lives, how he has changed us. And just like the shepherds, you know, the shepherds, they didn't have Mary's story and they didn't have Joseph's story. They had their story. And their story was powerful and the world needed to hear their story. And so too is your story. You don't need Andrew's story or Keila's story. You don't need Dawei's story or Courtney's story. You don't need Deb's story. God has given Joey, Joey's story. And Chrisanne, Chrisanne's story. And Parker, Parker's story. And Jordan, Jordan's story. And just like my friend Bud, sitting in the tire store, that is going to be his story the rest of his life. And his story pushed me, compelled me, called me want to know Christ more. 
And so too will your story. Let me share a little bit of my story briefly. I'm gonna try to tell it in under a minute. Don't time me though, I'm long-winded. I've come to know Jesus as Savior because I've realized how much of a sinner Brandon Steele is. And the older I get, the more I think about how sinful I have been, the more keenly aware I become of all the things that I've done to hurt people, and it just absolutely breaks my heart. And I have come to know that I need Jesus as Savior. And I've come to know him as forgiver. I've come to know Jesus as comforter, as he has drawn near to us in the hard times of life. Courtney and I lost a baby back in April in a miscarriage. And to feel his comfort in the midst of pain. I remember the first Sunday I came back. I was sitting up here in the front row, or second row. And Aaron comes over. Aaron saying, because he just puts his hands on me. And I just, I just feel Jesus just wrapping his arms around me, just holding me. Come to know Christ as comforter. It's who he is. I've come to know him as provider. That he has come through time and time again for us financially. I'm coming to know him as Lord. Learning to listen to him in real time. That if I will just pay attention. Invite that person to church. Pray for that person. Ask that person how their day is going. If I will just let him lead my life, it only leads to joy. And the reason I'm telling you about my story is because I want you to think about your story. And right now, I want you to think about one part of your story. For those of you who are Christians, I want you to think about one moment in your life. I want you to think about one characteristic of Jesus that you've experienced. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you a few minutes just to think about this. And then I'm gonna get back up and we're gonna share with each other. We're gonna testify. We're gonna be like the shepherds and we're gonna tell people about the things that we have seen and heard about Jesus. And I'm going to really, I know this is uncomfortable for hopefully not everyone, but, but for most of you, this is probably very uncomfortable because, right, this is not what you're supposed to do at church. You're supposed to come to church and to sit and to listen and to sing a few songs, but, but I think he's inviting us into deeper participation. I want to invite you to, to think about one story, one characteristic, and then I'm going to get back up and I'm going to invite you to share, not just with one person, the easy thing to do, maybe not an easy thing, but the easier thing to do would be to, to share with, with, you know, your best friend or whoever you came with, your roommate or your spouse. I'm going to encourage you to get in groups of four or five and share. You're like, oh, why did I come to Marathon today? Should have gone to Cannery, right? <laughs> no one ever said that. Um, and, uh, but I want us to think about this. And you don't have to think about something grand. You don't have to think about you know, a one-upping story, but just think about your life. What have you seen? What have you heard? How have you experienced Jesus? And it will bless the people around you. But you're going to have to have the courage. You're going to have to just be confident to share. And it's okay if you're feeling uncomfortable. Just look at the floor the whole time. You don't have to look people in the eyes. Just tell your story. It will bless people. And I'm going to encourage you this week, for those of you who are Christians, as you think about this, to, to, to leave this place empowered this week. 
and to share this with at least one person. Someone who doesn't know Jesus, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker. Hey, can I tell you why I believe in Jesus? And if they say no, tell them anyway. For those of you who are not Christians, I'm going to give us a couple minutes. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to think about one question that you have. If you come here today and you've not identified yourself as a Christian, think about one question that you want to know about Jesus. Write it down. And I encourage you to ask the question and to interview people and to search. And if you really want to know if he's real, what will you do with the question? So I'm going to give us two minutes. I want you to think about story. I'll get back up here and I'll send us to communion. But I want you to think about, you can pull out your phone if you need to. You can pull out your journal if you need to. But just think about a story. Think about a way that you've experienced Christ. Okay. I'm going to invite us to, to do two things. The first is this. I'm going to invite you to share this with someone this week. To be bold. To share, to share your story. To share part of your story with someone. Same thing we're going to share this morning. So I want to invite you to, to right now to stand up. We're going to go get communion. And uh, you can do this at your seats. You can scatter across the room. But let's get in groups of three or four. And let's just share. You don't have to tell a 10-minute story. You can tell your story in a minute. And let's just share our stories and break the bread and drink the cup together. And uh, I love you guys so much. Let's do this now.